You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. a debt that we still can't pay. You may be distressed over your current circumstances. You may be discontent because of the lack of achievement or the lack of what you think where you should be at this time in your life. You may be discontent. But if we also gather around our commander-in-chief, by the way, his name happens to be Jesus Christ. If we gather around our commander-in-chief and we watch him and we learn from him, the one who is greater than David, in fact, the one they call the son of David, we too can endure trials. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you God can and will help us through hard times. Let's be honest, the world we live in can truly be a difficult place most of the time. Trials will come, and when they do, it's important that you reach out to the one who can truly help you and who you can truly rest in. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 18, as he begins his message, David's bittersweet victory. You are we are going to start chapter 18. In fact, I'd like to get through chapter 18, um, if we could, and we'll see where the Lord wants to lead us. So if you have your Bibles, turn into 2 Samuel chapter 18. Chapter 18 in the book of 2 Samuel we are about six chapters from the end of 2 Samuel. Pretty interesting things have been going on in David's life. So the bitter conflict that had been brewing between David and his son was about to come to a tragic ending. And I believe that both of them knew that one of them was going to die. I believe they knew that one of them had to die in order for Israel to be restored again in peace as one nation. I believe they knew that in their heart. I believe they felt that, both not wanting to admit that, but I believe that they felt that with all their heart. Deep inside, they knew what was going to happen. In fact, I think they both knew the results. David's spy network that he had implanted was working. He knew that Absalom's army was on the move because the wannabe king accepted Hushai's advice over Ahithophel's. He accepted the advice. He gathered all his people together, and they were now marching down towards the Jordan River where David was encamped. And they were going to attack David's men in full force. This upcoming battle was going to be a strategic battle in the history of the nation of Israel. Ahith Ahithophel... I'll get it wrong six more times. That guy there knew the outcome of the battle, so he killed himself. He committed suicide last week as we studied through chapter 17. He knew that it wasn't going to go well. He knew it. So after receiving the news of Absalom's pursuit, David didn't have much time to prepare for this mighty, mighty battle that was going to happen. So he had to make haste. The civil war is about to get real ugly. 
But David was a mighty warrior. David was a brilliant military strategist. And these men who gathered around David, these men who had been following David and watched his every move and learned from him were now ready to go to war. And I want to say something about these men. If you remember way back in 1 Samuel 22, when these men were running from Saul, these men were all with David and they're running from Saul. The scripture tells us a little bit about these guys. Listen to what the scripture says. They were discontent, in debt, and very distressed. <laughs> but they gathered around David as they left, as they ran away. But the Lord then uses David to take this ragtag group of men, these outcasts of society, and form them into a very, very powerful army. These men became a crack unit. They became excellent soldiers. Why? Because they hung around with David. They watched David every move. They saw him pray. They heard his prayers. They saw him trusting in the Lord, and this rubbed off on them, and they behaved like him. Together, they endured harsh difficulties. But they saw that David's relationship with the Lord was something that was getting him through these difficulties. They knew all about Bathsheba. They knew all about Uriah. They knew about Ammon and Tamar. And they knew that Absalom was coming against. They knew all these things. And they watched David. And we have said this before from this venue. When you claim to be a Christian, people watch you. They want to see how you're going to act in various situations. They want to know what you're going to do when your job's in jeopardy, when your marriage is in jeopardy, when you have bills up to here, when this is going wrong, that's going wrong. And they want to see you claim to be a Christian, and they look at you, and they examine you. And some of them unjustly, which is the way of the world. But they examine you, and they look at you. Well, these men were examining David. They were looking at David, and they were all in all of him. Remember, David is a man after God's own heart. And although David knew that the consequences coming towards him were justified because God is righteous and holy, he still acted with integrity. He acted with godly counsel, and he sought the Lord at all costs. They saw his faith in action. And they formed a tight-knit group, and they were willing to die for him because of this. Are we any different from these guys? We had a debt we couldn't pay. We had a debt that we still can't pay. You may be distressed over your current circumstances. You may be discontent because of the lack of achievement or the lack of what you think where you should be at this time in your life. You may be discontent. But if we also gather around our commander-in-chief, by the way, his name happens to be Jesus Christ, if we gather around our commander-in-chief and we watch him and we learn from him, the one who is greater than David, in fact, the one they call the son of David, we too can endure trials. We too can endure afflictions. And we too can be ready to do battle when the time comes. Well, how is that possible? Well, Peter talks about this in his epistle. In 1 Peter... In, verses three, in, verse, in chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, listen to what Peter says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a living hope 
through the resurrection of the Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Oh, wow. Did you hear what Peter was saying there? Do you hear what he's saying? Now, where is somebody says... Where is it? Now, a lot of us have this idea, and I'm not trying to come down on anybody. I'm not trying to pointing fingers. Because remember, I went through this first because I read it first and studied it. But where is the thought that a strong Christian can't grieve a trial? Where is that thought? Where is that thought that uh, you have to be happy in everything? Oh, I got to be happy. I got to put a happy face. Well, that's nowhere in the Bible. It's a misconception. The idea that a Christian should be like Superman and bullets just bounce off your chest. That's nonsense. We're not robots. We have emotions. We've been given emotions. We've been given emotions by God. Yet Peter said that tells us that there is a need be only, not only for various trials, but especially there is a need be for being grieved itself. Why? Because God has a purpose even in your grief. God has a purpose even in your grief, even in those bad times when you're grieving, even those bad times when you're feeling heavy grief because of a trial. There is a purpose for that. God's purpose is to be displayed during that time, during your enduring this quality of faith. You know, faith not tested is really not good faith. I said, I looked at it this way. Faith not tested is faith not used. Your, test is, your faith is going to be tested. You're going to go into the fiery furnace. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace, and the king looked in there and says, wait a minute, did you throw three guys in there or four? How come I see one walking in there and he looks like the son of God? When you're going through a fire, when you're going through a trial, and you're trusting in Jesus Christ, who do people see? Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the thing there. They saw the son of God trusting in a trial. So there's a purpose. Now, in the biblical times, gold was purified by melting it to a liquid. They would purify it, and they would fire the furnace up. How did the um, smelting guy know that the gold was done? When he, yeah, the dross came to the top, and they scraped it off, but he looked into it, and when he saw his reflection, it was done. When he looked at it and saw his reflection, it was done. There were things that, that's, that's how we know. Not until he could see his face. If he couldn't see his face, he turned the heat up. This is what the Lord does in our lives. The Lord is waiting to see his face in you. He's waiting to see his face in me. He's waiting to look in there and see us, see the image of him in us. And when he doesn't see it, hmm, sorry, buddy. Turn the heat up. Turn the trial up. Turn the fire up. He keeps the heat on until we become the reflection of him in the midst of trials, in the midst of afflictions, in the midst of circumstances. In 2 Corinthians, 
In 2 Corinthians, in, verse, in chapter 3, in verse 18, in verse 18 we read this, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror of the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We, we, we're not clear right now. God doesn't see His image in us right now because we're under construction. It's a process. It's happening. It's happening by the Holy Spirit in us. We behold the glory of God. We're going to be transformed. God is changing our lives, but he's changing us from the inside out. He's changing us from the inside out. And if the old covenant had its glory, it could never transform lives through the law. Lives were never transformed by the law. God uses the new covenant the blood of Jesus Christ, to make us transformed people. Not just nice people, transformed people. Everybody wants to know, well, how can I change? Everybody wants to know, how come they changed and I didn't? The best and most enduring changes comes in our life when we are transformed, transformed, we turn the page, by what? Time spent with the Lord. Just like David and, David and his men. When his men spent time with David, they became more like David. When we spend time with the Lord, we become more like the Lord. We become more like the Lord because we have to allow the Holy Spirit to change us. We have to submit to the Holy Spirit and be obedient to His commands. Now, there are other ways you can change. You probably tried it. You may even try it with your children. Guilt, willpower, coercion. But these methods, these methods only bring a surface, superficial change. They don't bring a change within your heart. They don't be, we have to be transformed by the glory of the Lord. And I love this. It says, something to behold. He said, behold. Behold. It's a really cool word. It means more than just a casual look. It means carefully studying. Behold, carefully meditating. We'd be transformed by the glory of the Lord, but only if we carefully study it. You guys are here today carefully studying God's word as he transforms you. And I love what David says in Psalm 27. Oh, my. And it, it is a fantastic study in Psalm 27. In verse 4, he says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek. I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. He wants to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to, that's my desire. My desire is to dwell in his house, to behold his beauty. That's what we're talking about here, beholding his beauty, looking at him, studying him. How many times have you heard, I know Marcus said it 150 million times. I've said it probably that many times too. Philippians 4 verse 8, meditate on these things. Whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is just, etc., etc. Meditate on these things. The more we meditate on God, the more we are transformed into that image. It's the same image. Look into God's mirror. We are changed by the same image of the Lord when we spend time beholding His glory. That's what worship's about. Worship isn't just singing songs. Worship is about drawing close to the Lord and seeing Him. And seeing him in the midst and, and, and knowing that he's doing a mighty work. Worship is something to behold. We behold the glory of God when we worship because it says he inhabits the praises of his people. He comes and he inhabits his praises. So we behold his glory when we worship. God is here in our midst and we're worshiping to him. I mean, 
The worship team, when we get together, we pray. We always pray. We're singing to an audience of one. They're not singing to you. They're singing to God. They're singing to God, and they want to lead you into that presence of the Lord. And that's what worship is all about. When we spend time beholding the glory of the Lord, we see love, we see grace, we see peace, we see righteousness. We're transformed. We're transformed into his image. And how do you know somebody's really been spending a time in the Lord? Look at their life. Look at the life that's being shown. Look at the results of them spending time with the Lord. That's one of the first questions I ask when somebody comes to me for counsel. Well, have you been reading the Word? Well, probably I did once. Uh, well, maybe you should start reading the Word of God. Maybe you should start studying the Word of God. Maybe you should come out for more than one Bible study. Maybe you should get involved and, and let the Lord do something. The more we're with the Lord, the more we become like him. And that was the whole thing about David's men. God is holding up a mirror to you. He said, I want to see me in you. I want to see me in you. We don't have a false image of God. Remember, we're created in his image. He is not created in our image. We're created in his image. We want a picture of the truth. We want to be transformed into his image. It's a process. Yes, it is. We're under construction. Hang a sign around your head. We're under construction. But who does all this transforming? Holy Spirit. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to conform us into the image of our Savior. He does the work if you let him. You can grieve him. No, no, not today. I'm not going to do that. You really should apologize. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be the first to apologize. Okay. And we don't grow. But he'll bring it back around and we'll have to grow again. So, This is what David's men saw in him. They saw this oneness with God. Oh, we said oneness again. We saw this oneness with God. They saw his relationship with God. And when you have a relationship with God like that, and it's visible to other people, I can guarantee people are going to want it. You've heard the old adage, Christianity is not taught, it's caught. It's caught when you become Christ in front of them. When you are acting out and the Spirit is moving you and you're loving people and, and demonstrating God's love to them. And they look at it and they go, why are you treating me so nice? Because God treated me that way. God had mercy on me. We get to do that. So David and his men are ready for war. They've been more ready than ever. And David knew how to organize an army. So let's begin. I am going to get through the whole chapter. Oh, ye of little faith. Look, let's look at verses 1 and 2a. And David numbered the people who were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. Then David sent out one-third of the people under the hand of Joab, one-third under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zariah, and jo uh, Joab's brother, and one-third under the hand of Ittai the Gittite. Ittai the Gittite. I like that. Ittai the Gittite. I like that name. I, I, you know, I like that. I like that. Ittai the Gittite. They used to call my father Herman the German. So I like that. No, seriously, they did. They called him Herman the German. They, they, so. I like that name. Ittai the Gittite. Do you know anything about, why was this guy so cool? Why was Ittai the Gittite so cool? Because 
He was one of the ones back in 2 Samuel 15, in verse 21 in particular, he said, I'll go wherever you go, David. I want to be with you. And David raises him up now. He's one of the leaders of the army. He's one of the leaders of his men, just by hanging out with David. But David wanted to lead his men. And in verse uh, 2b, David says, And the king said to the people, I will also surely go out with you. And he said, No way. You're not going. And look at 3 and 4. But the people answered, You shall not go out, for if we flee away, then they will not care about us, nor if half of us die, will they care about us. But you are worth more, worth 10,000 of us now, for you are now more help to us in the city. Then the king said to them, whatever seems best to you, I will do. So the king stood beside the gate, and all the people went out by the hundreds and by the thousands. David, you can't go out. We need you. You're the king. We need to protect you. You can bring in the reserves if you need it, but we need to protect you. Your life is more than our lives. You're worth a 1,000 of us or 10,000 of us. They also knew one thing. They were fighting against Absalom. They knew that it would be difficult for David to go out and take a sword against his son. And, and they did have a little bit of mercy on David, so they said, you, don't, you stay behind. You stay behind, David. Verse 5, now the king had commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captain's orders concerning Absalom. Very interesting that David wants to extend grace to Absalom. I really like this. David wants to extend grace even though he never extended any grace to his father. We know Absalom was a murderer. He had murdered his brother Ammon, and he tried to kill David at the gate several times. We know that he seized the throne of Israel. We know that he violated David's concubines. And we know that he wants to kill David. If he wants to succeed as king, he has to kill David. But David doesn't want any harm to come to his son. Remember, David's a man after God's own heart. And am I ever thankful that the Lord hasn't dealt with me according to my sin? Am I ever thankful that in David, again, we get a picture of Jesus Christ. In his grace, God gives us what we don't deserve. And in his mercy, he does not give us what we do deserve. God is most gracious. Think about it. Jesus did not deserve to die. He was sinless. He did not deserve to die. Yet, he took the punishment. He took the nails. He took the scourging. He took the crown of thorns for us, for every one of you, for me, for everyone in the entire world. He did that. He didn't have to, but he did that. And if you come and you come with us and study on Monday night, you'll find out that he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. What a Savior. What a Savior we have. Dwell on that for a while. Dwell on that concept for a while. Take it personally because he did it for each and every one of you in here. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all we have time for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can explore more of this series in 2 Samuel or jump to another book of the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult. So we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We're gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. We look forward to worshiping with you, either in person or virtually this weekend. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.